Please be ready with me, having your Bible open to the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I want to tell you the story of a young man. Part of that story will be our focus. This young man's reaction to God can help us examine our reaction to God initially and then our ongoing reaction to God. So have your Bible ready in Isaiah chapter 6. The young man in our text is Isaiah, a young Jewish native. He grew up during the last half of the long reign of King Uzziah. Isaiah's name means salvation is of the Lord. Isaiah was called by God to speak his word in very troublesome times. And here is the account of this encounter between Isaiah and God in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. There are days in each man's life which he will never, ever forget. And this was such a day for Isaiah. It is hard for us, I think, to imagine the scene because we have nothing in our lifetime to compare to it. Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The throne was surrounded by heavenly hosts, beings who dwell there. And there was this audible chorus of praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. 
And they said the whole earth is full of his glory. Everything shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah is both frightened and humbled. And one predominant thought that he had and that he expressed was, I am a sinner. Woe to me, he said. Here's what one version says in the rendering of the verse. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Upon hearing this confession, the Lord extended grace to Isaiah, forgiving him. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for, God decreed. And then there came a call of duty. The charge came from heaven to Isaiah. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah reacted. He responded as one should to the Almighty when he said, Here am I, send me. To know more about the message Isaiah took to the people, read the book of Isaiah. But let me ask how we might have responded. Had we been in that circumstance? And I should inquire of myself, how would I have acted, reacted? What would I have said? And what kind of follow-up would there have been in my life? Before we get to that, I need to bring up where Isaiah went after he said, here am I, send me. Now I want to illustrate. I go to various places to preach. And when I go to places to preach, I know pretty much how that's all going to turn out. I will be warmly welcomed. I'll be in San Antonio next weekend. I'll be warmly welcomed. I will be given the best hospitality and accommodations they can provide. The people in the audiences will be receptive and appreciative and grateful to hear God's word. Isaiah's experience, nothing like that. As Isaiah packed to go out and do his work, God told him, this is not going to be a vacation. This is not going to be a cruise. This is not going to be like Berkeley in San Antonio next weekend. Isaiah would not be well received. He would not be given good accommodations. Still in Isaiah chapter 6, listen to verses 9 through 13. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn... And be healed. And then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, 
and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Isaiah was being sent to hostile people who would not feed him fried chicken on Sunday and express their gratitude. It would be so bad, Isaiah would come to a point in his work where he would say, how long will this go on? And the Lord would answer, until cities lie in waste. That's the context of the prophet's call to respond to God and be sent with God's message to people who would reject that message with great rebellion. So let me go back to that question. How would you have responded? And I should inquire of myself, how would I have responded? What would I have said and done? I'm going to go through a list with you of what I think some would have said. Some would have said in this circumstance, here am I, so what? Among men and women, there is sometimes a visible, complete indifference to God. It doesn't seem to matter to many people, even many who say they believe in God. At your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, on television, on the internet, we cannot escape the conclusion there is widespread indifference to God. An attitude that just doesn't care about God. And I'm not just talking about the atheist or rebellious, active agnostics. While God's existence may be acknowledged by a lot of people, God's claim for responsibility on the part of many people is minimized or completely ignored. God made us. God loves us. God sent His Son. He gave His Word. And the response of many people is, so what? The most serious sin of our secular society may be expressed this way, indifference to God. Benign neglect that becomes spiritually deadly. It is as hard to overcome as planting good seed in concrete. When you talk to people who are indifferent to God, what are you going to do? Read the Bible to them as they turn away or express that they do not care? Try to read the Bible to them. But if there is ingrained indifference to God, there may be no interest at all in you continuing to read from that book. Will you tell them about Christ's love and his death on the cross? Many just have a temporary warm feeling about all that, but no response. Will you warn them of eternity and judgment? Sad to say, but many people put into Isaiah's situation would have said, Here am I, so what? Complete benign indifference 
to God. Set into this same place, many might be tempted to say, Here am I, but Lord, I'm busy. I'm convinced what we are tempted to do sometimes is hide in our schedule and get lost in our busyness. Duty calls and we are just too busy. Good work for the Lord needs attention, but we cannot find time. People need us, but we have our routine. We hide in our schedule. We get locked into and then lost in our busyness. In some studies, the result is only 20% of an organization do the real work. And yet, all in the organization claim to be busy. We are enlightened and modern and sophisticated and we have all the latest communication gadgets to help us but we don't have time to communicate with God or open to his word and let him communicate with us. We hide in our busyness. We neglect service to others and worse may even wear our busyness as a badge of honor and then find ways to tell people or boast about how busy we are. In our mixed up society, it's like being busy means you must be great. You must have succeeded. You must have a lot of responsibility. You must be important. I read something years ago by a gospel preacher, Philip Strong. And I want to share that with you. He said, unfortunately, many of us not only suffer from this self-inflicted malady, we seem to enjoy and relish in it. We treat too busy as some sort of badge of honor, as if it provides evidence of our importance. Work can't do without me. My family needs me. My civic club or school support group depends on me. My social network of friends can't recreate without me. And I need to escape because I'm so busy otherwise. And yet many of us still manage to convince ourselves and perhaps even say to ourselves, God comes first in my life. Really? When he and his only get the leftovers of our time, energy, commitment, emotions, and enthusiasm. When it comes to God and our relationship to him and his busy or its relative just too busy is certainly not a badge of honor that you would show to God. It signifies much less honorable issues like a lack of commitment to him, priority to the kingdom, dedication to be a disciple and love and zeal for others. Here am I, Lord, but I'm just too busy. Here am I, Lord, <clears throat> best wishes. I'm going to turn to the book of James in chapter 2. James chapter 2. And I'm going to read 14 through 16. James chapter 2. It is praiseworthy 
to speak our good wishes to people. To greet people and speak our good wishes. Only if the words come from an active heart of a servant. James 2, 14 through 16. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Speaking good wishes was never intended to replace the action of service for people. While it is legitimate to speak what we're able to speak, wishing good for people, what really is important is to do everything else we are able to do to help them. Yet some in Isaiah's sandals would have said, Here am I. Best wishes. Some would have said, Here am I, Lord. Send somebody else. The most you can expect out of some people is to recommend that somebody else do it. That's a good work for somebody else to do. I'll compliment the others who do it. Sometimes we even say somebody ought to do something about that. I'm so glad somebody else is taking care of that. A preacher got up one Sunday morning. I've never had the nerve to do this. Preacher got up one Sunday morning, departed from his usual formalities, and gave to all those present three index cards. He had no customary introduction. He had a couple of boys to help, and three index cards were given to every person in the audience. When everybody had their cards, he asked them to take the first card and write on that card what you think the preacher ought to be doing. And he waited and waited and waited while they wrote essays. He gave them three or four extra minutes. Some people turned the card over to write on the back what the preacher ought to do. Then he said, okay, take out the second card and write on that card what you think the elders of this church ought to be doing. And everybody got busy again. One man broke the lead of his pencil. Somebody got him another pencil. Then the preacher said, now take out that third blank card. And by this time, most of the people had figured out what was going to happen next. He said, write on that card what you ought to be doing. He waited a few minutes and he could see people straining to not look blank. And it appeared maybe some people were acting like they're writing something down. But now that was the end of the exercise. He didn't ask for people to turn in their cards. He was simply getting people in some concrete and unexpected way to get them 
out of the attitude of thinking that most everything that has to be done around here needs to be done by somebody else. He wanted them to think about what their responsibility ought to do. And it was very effective. You can't get away with that kind of preaching every Sunday. Do you remember the Lord's call for workers in Matthew 9.38? He said, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We ought to be the individual answers to that call. Here am I. Send me. So, it's good to think about how I would have responded. Good for you to think about how you would have responded. Listen again. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And off the prophet went. The Lord has work for all of us to do. How can we serve? What can we do? What would we write down on that third index card? What individual resources do you have that can be used in the Lord's work? I want to call upon us to reconsider and reassess and review our use of time, the development of our talents. Is there someone lost in sin that you can talk to this week? Is there someone discouraged you can pray for or pray with that you can help this week? Are there people who are carrying a load and instead of saying somebody ought to help them, you can help them carry that load? It's like a trumpet call that goes out for warriors of integrity to stand up and say, here am I, send me. And I want to close by telling you a personal story. Some of you have heard it before. It was a men's training class conducted by the local church back in the 1950s to help men become more effective in their various duties. And a paper was given to all those men in that class, and I was sitting there watching my dad. And the paper said, put a check mark by the task that you're willing to do. And so on the card it said, song leader, public prayer, teach a Bible class, make announcements. And my dad looked over at that list and wrote on the paper, here am I. Send me. Let's be standing as we sing.